0: And y'all see me up here? (laughs) I told Betty, I said, you know, I don't know about this stand. I said, you know, I'm kind of short. I'm real tall on the inside, but I thought all of you are going to be looking at me, and you're going to just see my eyes. Um, My name is Anne Anne Marie, and I'm a grateful member of this Worldwide Fellowship. The only reason why I am in Texas today is because I said yes. Um, Someone asked me, came to my home group in Culver City, and they asked me if I would be a speaker, and I said yes. And I went to this um, Al-Anon Convention, and I met Kay, and Kay came up to me and she said, you know, would you come and speak at our our meeting? And I said, I said yes. And then um, Kay uh, graciously sent my tape to um, Betty and Betty called me up and she said well hi my name is Betty and I went I said hi Betty I'm Anne Marie she said boy I want to know if you would like to speak at our meeting and I thought yes and then um, she said well that'll be just fine I said well where is your meeting? And she said, Texas? And I said, Okay, God, I'm going to Texas. <laughs> so here I am. And um, when I was on the phone with Betty, I asked her, I said, Well, you know, I'm single. And, I, and whenever I have an opportunity, that's what I like to call it, I said to her, Well, are there any single men down in Texas? And she said, oh, we've got some nice men down in Texas. I said, nice, tall, dark, and handsome men? She said, yes, we do. I said, well, then I'm coming to Texas. <laughs> so um, well, I'm at the airport, and I'm waiting at the airport, and this group comes in first, and I'm like all oh, excited. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> and that wasn't them. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then I waited again, and another group came up, and I got all spiffied up, and, okay, that wasn't them. And all of a sudden, this man comes walking in with a card with my name on it, and I thought, "Wow, you know, tall, dark, and handsome." And I said, "Well, how did Texas?" <laughs> but then I found out that he's married, and um, and um, so I have a I have a new sign, and um, and it, it's I am reserved for single only. <laughs> um. But I want to thank Cody and I want to thank Aaron um, because, you know, being a single person, um, I get to learn and see what love looks like and that gives me hope and I want to thank you for that. Thank you. I love you. Um, As many of you know, I, I was looking in the room and I thought, you know, there's not a lot of people that look like me. Um, we got a lot of blonde and blue eyes, and there's a couple little, little dark-haired. And um, I just want to start off by saying uh, I come from a very European family. My father is uh, Peruvian, and his um, mother's father was Spanish, and his his father was German. And there's a little French and Dutch, and then my mother is Italian and Polish. So you can imagine what that household was like. Uh, My parents are not alcoholics. Um, I qualify for this program because my brother has qualified and has um, identified himself as a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. Um, But you put that combination together and I am the youngest of four and I was born in North Carolina. So when you'd ask me my name, I'd say, well, hi there, my name is Anne Marie Ravens. Ravens, like the blackbird, like my hair. (laughs)
1: And
0: um, and so, you know, there was this really kind of crazy combination. And it was funny, because when I had friends that would come over to play... My father, he was Spanish. The funny thing was is he would talk to us sometimes in Spanish, and we would answer him in English. And I remember one time one of the girls said, well, how do you understand your father? I can't understand your father. I said to him, and here I am, five years old, and I said, well, I lived with him all my life. I should know how he talks. But any time that there was a problem in our house, um, I was always sent across the street. And um, there was this wonderful young lady, um, and her name was Ann, but we called her Winky. And so I would go, and I'd play with Winky all the time. And I was just always shoved across the street. Oh, if there was a problem, go play with Winky. Go play with Winky. And so I look back on my childhood, and I had a wonderful childhood. You know, I played. I, uh, you know, I went to school, um, uh, I come from a very um, religious and spiritual background. Um, being from an Italian and Spanish heritage, uh, there are a lot of pictures of the Blessed Mother and Jesus. And, you know, my mother did not put the fear of like dad in us, it was like the fear of God. You know, you do not do this, you do not do that. You know, I remember my mom one time saying, you know, God don't like nasty. And if you're lying, it doesn't matter. If I can't see you, because he can, and he's going to tell me later.
1: <laughs>
0: so I used to think, oh my God, she's got a hotline. <laughs> she's got a hotline. So, um, so I never lied. And, um, and in fact, I was always called a tattletale because you know somebody did something wrong, and they say, don't do, don't you tattletale, don't you tell mom? You know, and mom would ask me, and I, I'd, I'd say, yeah. I tell her, you know, because she had a hotline up to heaven, and I didn't want to get in trouble. But um, so I was always sent across the street to play. But the funny thing is, is when you live in an alcoholic home, when you come back, I tell you, you can cut that air with a knife because you know something's wrong, but you don't know what it is. My mom would be tense, and my, my, you know, father and I just was always sent in the other room. But even though you might not know what's going on, you know when there's something wrong. And so at an early age, you start to see certain things, and you start to hear certain things, and they don't match. So you're not sure what's true, because you go, well, I'm I'm seeing that my brother's getting in trouble, and something's wrong, and Mom's furious, and throwing, you know, her shoe across the room or slapping him. And, but, but then you say, well, Mom, what's wrong? And she's going, oh, everything's just fine. You're going, well, that doesn't look right. You know, that just doesn't look right. So, um, so at an early age, you know, I just saw that something was wrong. Um, but I had a good childhood and just took care of myself. My older, I have two older brothers. One is in Al-Anon and one is in AA. And um, he's 10 years older than I am. So when I was 5, you know, he was 15. And, you know, he didn't want to be bothered with a, a little baby sister. He just didn't want to be bothered. And, uh, and then he started getting to his drugs and his addiction. And so he wasn't really around. But we always knew he was around because um, there was always trouble. We always knew there was trouble because something was always wrong in the house. Um, but mind you, everything's just fine. You know, we look good, and it, 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 the picture is good, and so everything's just fine. Um, but it's not fine, you know. Um, so then what happened is, fast forward, we took this wonderful little southern bale from, New Jer- you know, from North Carolina, and we moved to New to Jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jersey. There's my boy over there, Jersey. And... Um, and that's really hard. You take, a, you take a Southern Belle and put her in Jersey, and you got to learn real quick. Let me tell you. I remember the first day I went to school, I met this girl, and her name was Suzanne Stone. And she came up to me, and she went, well, hey, how you doing? And I went, and I went home, and my mom said, how's your, how's your first day? And I said, Mom. This girl came up to me. And she started talking to me, and I didn't understand a word she said. My mom said, well, isn't that great? Somebody came up to you. And I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble. So I learned real quick. You know, I learned real quick to get to the program. And um, when we got up to New Jersey, basically what happened was um, my brother started to get very much in his addiction. And he just disappeared, you know. Uh, And then he'd come back, and he'd disappear, and he'd come back. But every time he came back, it was as if trouble followed him, you know. He'd come back, and, you know, then the cops would end up coming to our house. He'd come back, and, you know, he'd bring all these friends that just looked really kind of, you know, trouble and didn't really look that good, and... You know, and, and then the cops would come, and then there'd be arguments. And, you know, my sister and I would just kind of be shoved into the, into the, into the bedroom. And it was that famous thing you come out and go, Mom, what happened? Oh, everything's just fine. We're fine. It's fine. And it wasn't fine. Because when you live in an alcoholic home, active alcoholism, um, you know, that's hard. That's hard. And the alcoholic doesn't realize what's going on because he's drinking. You know, he's oblivious, you know, and if the bills aren't being paid or, you know, the finances are bad or, you know, but, um, and there's a lot of shame in that. You know, you think it's okay in my house, you know, because it looks good, but on the inside, it's not good. There's that big, big pink elephant. And so what happened was I really didn't want to be there. So I started to excel in high school, and I did everything. You know, my senior year, everybody laughs because they said, you know, they open up the senior yearbook and they call it the Anne-Marie book. <laughs> because you turn the page. I did chorus. I did SGO. I played soccer for four years. You know, if there was a club, I was in it. If there was a swim team, I was on it. You know, SGO and, and um, you know, everything. I did everything. Um, because I didn't want to go home. I did not want to go home. And, um, and I excelled. I excelled in that. And it was a place to also be seen, because in an alcoholic home, um, I felt like I was not being heard, because um, one of the things that I learned um, in, in Al-Anon is, you know, the big book on page um, 18, it talks about the, the disease, you know, alcoholism is a disease that annihilates anything that is good or of value. And I went and I looked up the word annihilate, and it means to destroy out of existence. Well, that's pretty powerful, you know, anything good or of value. And, um, you know, so I just wanted, I didn't want to be in that environment. And so I graduated high school. I had really great grades, and, you know, I went on to college for my dream. And um, three years into the conservatory, um, I had a great opportunity in New York to study with a teacher. And so I left, shy, one year of my degree. And, um, and then I went down to the beach, or as we call in Jersey, the shore. Went down to the shore. And, um, and I, met, um, I met this wonderful man, and I thought he was so charming. And uh, he, he played in a band, and uh, I needed money real quick because I wanted to pay my rent. So I got a job as a cocktail waitress, and uh, I went there, and I was in my 20s, and they said, well, here's your uniform. And they just handed it to me in their hand, and I said, well, what's that? They said, well, that's your uniform, and I, I picked it up, and it was like these little panties and, you know, this little top and I thought okay I could do that well I never made so much money in one night in my life and all I did was (laughs) give these people drinks I didn't even make the drinks and um, and uh, and then that's where I met you know my alcoholic and I always like to say you know my because I wanted to own him you know and uh, and I met him and uh, it was wonderful it was wonderful and we had a wonderful courting that summer and then he said, You know, I have to talk to you, Anne Marie And I said, Okay. And he said, Well, I have something to say and I said, What's that? And he says, Well, you know, I'm 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 kinda married <laughs> And I said, You're you what? And I said, Kinda married I said, Well that's funny, I never heard of that. <laughs> well, what's that? You know, you either are or you aren't. And he said, Well, I'm I'm separated. And I just said, well, why? And he he made me all these excuses, you know, about his wife. But I believe them. I believe them because I'm a good Al-Anon. And what you tell me, I believe to be the truth. And uh, so um, I thought, I'm not really comfortable with this. So right down the street, two blocks from where I lived, was a church. And I said, I'm going to go to this church. And I'm going to talk to one of the counselors there. And I I went in and I, I talked to the priest And uh, I'm telling him about my family, and all of a sudden he looks at me, and he goes, are you Lucille's daughter? And I thought, oh, my God, my mom! how did my mom find out? She's got this direct line from God. (laughs) I'm in trouble. (laughs) I'm in real trouble. Well, it ended up my mother um, had a really wonderful uh, teacher who was a sister, and the sister told this priest, um, because she stayed in that neighborhood, about our family, and she... She uh, was my mother's, like, second grade teacher, and her name was Sister Genevieve, and she stayed throughout my mother's life. And and so he talked to me, and he said, You know, Emory, if you really love this man and you're a good friend with this man, you will help him get back together with his wife, and you will be a friend. And so I was. For one year, I was his friend and we talk about relationships and um you know I didn't do anything and we were I was his friend and that was really hard because the more I was around this man the more I really was falling in love with this man but I also saw that he had a disease and it was really bad and um you know and and he'd say to me oh you know I, uh, and I had to I had like two or three jobs and working down at the shore cuz I wanted to be w- with him and he'd come to me and say, oh, you know, Amory, I need $300 you know, for, for this mic for my, for my music. And I'd say, no problem, here, here you go. Oh, you know what, I need, I, need, I need some drumsticks. Oh, no problem, here you go. Oh, you know, I need, oh, no problem, here you go. So I thought, wow, he's got all this wonderful equipment. I'm going to go see him play. I'd go see him play. And he didn't have any of those new things. And he gave me all these excuses. And I believed him. Because you know what? If he was talking, I believed it. It was the truth. So things started to get really bad. And then I started to realize that this, this man had a problem. And it started to feel like my house, where it didn't feel comfortable anymore. And so he came over one time, and I was talking to one of his band members. And, and they said, you know, Amory, he's an addict. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, he has a cocaine problem, and he's an alcoholic. And I just thought, I can't deal with that. I don't want that. "And he came over to my house, and being from Jersey, I was like, "You need to get out. I right? — because I ain't taking this anymore. There's the door. Goodbye. Get it together, and when you're done, then you can come back. And I opened up the door, and I said, "So you get out." And he walked out, and I closed the door, and I was in tears. And I was a wreck. And I called my girlfriends and I said, you know what, I just let go the love of my life. I just let him go. I I must be crazy. What am I doing? I just let him go. And she said, you know what, it's okay. Because if it's really meant to be, and if that's got once, he'll come back. So he left and three days went by. And and I thought, what am I going to do? And here it was in the middle, middle of summer, you know, end of June. And he called me up from a detox and a rehab in um, New Jersey and he said, I love you I am an addict and I have a problem and I hope that you'll be there with me when I get out and I went, okay he goes, you can come and visit me and I said, well, I'd love to you know and uh, now mind you the detox and the rehabilitation in New Jersey is not anything like California California is a nice resort in the sunshine. Well, down in Jersey, it's like you go to Marlboro, you go on the prison lot, you have to go through security, you know, and, and as I was going to visit him, I thought, oh, my God, he's in jail. i got to get him out of here because I am a good Al-Anon, and Al-Anon, we know how to take care of you and fix you and, and redo you from head to toe. We might not look that good and have ourselves together, but let me tell you, we can fix you and redo you and design you from head to toe, and you will be perfect.
1: Because
0: that's how we want you. Perfect. And if you do it this way, that will be perfect. So I went to go see him, and they told me that the only way I could see him is if I went to an Al-Anon meeting. And I thought, yeah, yeah, right, all right. Come on, I want to see him. I'm done with this. Let's go, let's go. And I'm listening to this gentleman talk, and I'm like, wow. You know, that's, that, that's part of my story. That's how I'm getting. I'm just getting crazy. So I'm walking down the hallway to see him, and, and they told me the rules. And part of the rules were that I, we were not allowed to touch each other. You were not allowed to hug. You had to sit at least three feet away from each other. You could talk. I said, okay. And being a very good Al-Anon. I follow the rules, not like an alcoholic who they like to break the rules. This I did not know. So I walk down the hall like a good Al-Anon. I sit down. He sits down. We talk. It's wonderful. I said, oh, this is good. I find out he's going to be there for three months. I said, okay, that's good. He's going to get it together. It's going to be good. You better follow rules. So I get up. I go over to the door. He comes over. He grabs me, and he kisses me. The counselor comes over and goes, That's it! You're done! She's done! You can't see her. And I said, What? What? He said, That's it! You can't see him until he gets out. And I went, Well... And I just was going down that hallway... And he looked at his counselor and said, you know, she, she loves me. <laughs> and, I, and I did. And I did. But you know what? That's alcoholism. You know, that's the disease of alcoholism. They always say you want an alcoholic to do something, tell him what not to do. Say, I don't want you, don't you cut the grass. <laughs> I like it high. He'll be out there with the lawnmower cutting that grass the next day. So, I left and I was, oh, I was angry. I was so angry because now I couldn't see him. So, then I was told that I had to go to an Al-Anon meeting. I thought, oh, great. So, I'm from Jersey. And in Joysey in 1980,
1: <laughs>
0: we got real high hair and real long nails. So... I decide to go to this meeting, and I walk in, and I'm like, hi, give me the list. I want the list, all right? He's in there, I want the list, so I can give him the list, and then we're done. And I'm sitting there, and Marge, God bless her heart, she looks at me and she said, give me a hug, I gave her a hug, she said, good, sit down. And shut up. So I sit down, and I listened. She said, good. She said, give me a hug. I said, all right. She goes, go home and pray, and I'll see you next week. I went, all right. So I come back. Marge goes, hey, how you doing? I said, well, he this, he this, he this, he that, he that. She said, good. Sit down and shut up. I said I right. sat down. Well, every time I came back, Marge would ask me how I was doing, and I had what we had, what we call the hehees. Well, he did this, and he did that, and he did this, and right. hey. well, he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this, and then I was so I was so upset because every time I kept going to the meeting, I'm like, where's the list? I I'm, I want the list. Because I'm going to give him the list and he's going he's to follow this list and he's going to be perfect and if he, he does this list then we're going to be fine and he better get this list because if he don't get this list and he don't have his list to do it, then, then this ain't going to work. Where's my list? And they just all laughed. They said, you just keep coming back and sit down and shut up. So i come. i come by. i sit down and i shut up. And then she kept telling me, go home and pray. And, um, and I did. I went home and I prayed. And for me, that was the first step. Because what I realized was I was powerless over this disease. And that, um, you know, my life was unmanageable. And by praying, it was allowing God to come into my life. And I knew that if God could come into my life, that he could come into his life too. And so one day I went up there and Marge looked at me and she said, how you doing? And I said, you know, I'm not doing well. And she said, you know what? You got it, kid. Because it's not about him. It's about you. It's how are you doing. And I said, I'm not doing well at all. She said, good. Sit down. And why don't you share today? I said, okay. Now the funny thing in New Jersey is the... The long-timers always put the newcomers on the left-hand side of the circle, and then they start on the right-hand side. <laughs> and I used to say, well, by the time they get around here, I don't have time to share. But that was one of the reasons why you keep coming back. Because I'd be like, well, when I get there, I'm, I'm going to see who the leader is, and then I'm going to try, I'm to try, you know. And every time I try to get that seat, that old timer goes, excuse me, honey, can you move down a little bit? I'd be like, oh. You know, next thing I know, I'd be sitting right down next to the speaker, and I'd say, great, oh you know, start on the right-hand side. No, I can't talk. And then this wonderful woman came in, and her name was Edith. And she was very statured. And- so graceful and she sat down and she started talking and as as she's talking about her alcoholic husband and her alcoholic son and her alcoholic daughter and I'm looking at her across the room and I'm thinking wow this woman is so peaceful and so full of grace and has such dignity where'd she get that because I want what she's got and so I asked her to be my sponsor. And when I asked her to be my sponsor, <laughs> all right, I'm supposed to have this thing called a sponsor, and you're supposed to help me with the steps. And, you know, so I'm still looking for that list, you know? I really want that list if you got it. She said, You just keep coming back and you call me tomorrow. I said, Okay. So, um,. I went to her, and she started helping me with the steps, and I had the he hees I'd go over her house, and I'd say, "You know he did this, and he did this, and that's how I'm gone, and he did this, and he did that, and I can not believe and he did that, and he just if he would just straighten up would just be fine yeah so um so then what happened was I went over her house one day, and I had the hees and she looked at me because she always had such words of wisdom and um And she said, well, what's your favorite color? I said, what? She said, what's your favorite color? I said, I don't know. She said, what's your favorite ice cream? I said, I don't know. I came over here to talk about him. I don't don't care about that. She said, no, I want to know. She says, you don't even know who you are. And I was like, wow. She says, you think about those things. I said, okay. So we started. We started working the steps. And I remember there one time, there was like this blizzard in New Jersey. And I was so upset, and I called her up, and I said, this son of a gun, you're not going to believe what he did. She said, go take a walk. Call me back. Hung up the phone. I looked outside. I said, we're having a blizzard. Is she out of her mind? I called her back. I said, do you know it's snowing outside? She said, yeah, I do. Go take a walk. So I was angry, and I put- I don't put my scarf on, I put my boots on, my boots and another jacket and another jacket and another scarf. Oh, I, I was so angry. I walked outside and I took a walk and I was watching the snowflakes fall down and looking at the ocean. And, and I thought, wow, God really exists and how blessed I am. And I went back, and I called her up and she said, How are you doing now? I said, you know what, i got some real issues, and I really need to start working on my fourth step. And she said, well, let's get pen to paper. And that was in the the winter. And so when the summer came, her and I would walk along the beach, and we'd talk about things, and I'd write things down, and we'd throw them in the ocean and give them to God. And so I got to do my fourth step with her. And as that was happening, um, my... My brother, unbeknownst to me, was in AA. And whenever I went to him, he would give me these wonderful words of wisdom. I thought, oh, God, my brother is so smart. He'd say things like, you know what, Henry, sometimes you just need to easy does it. And I
1: go, wow, that's
0: so great. That's so great.
1: <laughs>
0: He'd say things, you know, Henry, sometimes up for the grace of God. And I was like, wow, these wonderful pearls. These are wonderful <laughs> And it wasn't until I got into the, to the rooms that I started to hear all of this. And I was just like, I can't believe him. I called him up and I said, I know where you got this from. You know? But um, So Edith and I, we worked on, we worked on our steps. And, um, and at one point during the summertime, I got the shingles really bad. And um, for those of you who've had the shingles, they're pretty itchy. and and I remember I I wore just like this little T-shirt because it was just so hard, and I had some medicine. And and the gentleman, his name was Bernie, he was doing really well. And You know, there was a rule that we both had, and it was really simple. You have a sponsor, I have a sponsor. You go to meetings, I go to meetings. You work the steps, I work the steps. Rule four, if you don't do any of rule one, two, and three, you're out. It's really simple. One, two, three, four. So um, I got the shingles. And, um, and I remember I had three pills of codeine, uh, Tylenol with codeine. And uh, I was saving them for each day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I was going to see the doctor on Monday. And I was in a tremendous amount of pain. And he would come over, and we would just walk on the boardwalk. And um, I had one pill left. And this was a, a Saturday, and we went to take a walk. And he said, I oh, will be right back. I forgot something upstairs. And he came back down, and then we took a walk. And, and I noticed he was, like, in a really good mood. And I was like, wow, you're real happy today, aren't you? So I go back upstairs, and he wanted to leave right away. And I said, wait, wait, where are you going? You know, help me upstairs. No, 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 I have to go. I said, what's the matter with you? I said, help me upstairs. He said, okay, we go upstairs. I go to take my pill And it's not there And I said to him You know what We're done We're done He said no I, You know I didn't feel good I had a headache I said no That's unacceptable Because I learned in Al-Anon That no Is a complete sentence I didn't know that I always thought there was a comma <laughs> But no is a complete sentence So um I told him I said get out I said I'm just infuriated I said you have no idea how much pain I am and he says no I know I said no I'm, I'm in so much pain here in my heart and I can't do this and then um, I proceeded to try and strangle him to death because he took my last pill and um, so he said I'll be right back and he came back and he had one for me. And I thought, wow, it's that easy. I said, it's that easy for you. And he said, yeah, when I want to find it, I know where to go. And I said, well, that's too bad that you can't find your sobriety. I said, I can't do this anymore. And, um, and he left. And then I called up Edith. And Edith said, I went over there, and of course, I had the hee hees. He did this, and he did that, and he did this, and he did that. And I was waiting for her wonderful words of wisdom. And she turned around and she said, Amory, get a life. And I went, What? She said, Get a life. So I got in my car, and I drove 3,000 miles to California. <laughs> and, um, and that was a great journey. Um, I left him with a lot, you know, I left him with love. And I just said, you know, I love you, but this is not working for me. You know, we took a walk on the beach, him and I. And um, he turned around and he said, Emery, you know, I'm, a, I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. And, and I don't know if I can do this. And I said, no, you can't do this. You know, it, in all of our steps... It doesn't say I. It says we. This is a program of a we. We walk this journey together. You know, I walk this journey with my God. You know, I remember Edith said to me one day, she said, if you fall down, I'm not going to pick you up. She says, because I want you to reach up, to get up. And she said, and I will not hold your hand but I will stand beside you and we will walk this journey together. And, um, and so when he said that to me, I said, you know, it's not a program of just you. It's a program of we and you know where to go to find recovery. And I said, and I love you enough that I'm going to let you go. And that was one of the most painful things in my life um, because I really love this man. But see, in Al-Anon, I've learned that I can love the person but I can hate the disease, and I hated the disease that he had, and that's not something that I wanted to live with, especially active um, alcoholism and addiction. So, um, so I got in my car, and with my brother, my other brother who is in Al-Anon, and we had a wonderful journey across country, and it was it was wonderful. You know, I got to see this beautiful country and this land, and, and I got to go to meetings. You know, I said to my sponsor, I said, you know, I'm so afraid I'm going to California. She said, why, Emery? You haven't even got there, but you already have a family. And I said, you know what, you're right. I do. I have a family. And so on the way to um, California, we stopped at meetings. We stopped in Arkansas. Anybody here in Arkansas? woo There you go. We stopped there. And we stopped... Um, uh, During the, we went through Texas. I didn't get to stop through Texas because God just had a different plan for me to come here now. And um, and so when I got there, I thought, Wow, this is really, this is great. You know, this is wonderful. And I I went to a meeting, and uh, the meetings were like an hour and a half. And uh, and in the middle of the meeting, they were like, Okay, we're going to have a coffee break. And I'm like, What? We're from New Jersey. We don't have a coffee break. You know, we go to a meeting. What is this? You have a break? And so I called my sponsor up. I'm like, I can't believe this. They got coffee. They have a break. The meeting is an hour and a half. They, like, lounge around. I'm like, what is this, you know? I said, the highway. You got to stop. I said, they got all these rules. I just don't know. She said, you just keep going to meetings. You keep coming back, you go to meetings. I said, okay. So I did. And, uh, and then I got a job. And I was so excited. And then, um, and many of you heard about the L.A. riots, and uh, we were all sent home, and then my mother called me up, and she's like, hi, Anne-Marie, I'm watching CNN, and your building is on fire. And I said, really? (laughs) I turned on the television, and there was my building, on fire. And I thought, okay, I I don't have a job. But that's all right, because you know what? I have a program, and I have a family out here, and so I called up. And I just said, hi, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, Edith said to me, she goes, oh, what a blessing. I thought, a blessing? My, my building's on fire. I don't have a job. How is this a blessing? And she said, because in every negative is a positive. And I thought, okay. And then two months later, we had an earthquake. And the little guest house that I was living in kind of, moved a little bit this way and moved a little bit that way and kind of started to wiggle-woggle and look like it was going to fall apart. And I thought, oh, my God. And I called up my sponsor and I said, oh, my God, the place that I'm living at, I think it's going to fall apart. She said, what a blessing. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, my Lord, how's that a blessing? Because in every negative there's a positive. And the woman who lived whose guest house I rented, she, um, she actually, uh, her husband had slipped. And he was a cocaine addict, an alcoholic. And she knocked on my door one day, and she said, Emory, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I said, well, I've got an answer for you. And she said, you do? And I said, yeah. And I took her to a meeting, and I did a 12-step with her. And, um, and her and I became really good friends. She ended up getting a divorce. Um, but her son also got into Alateen and, and, and a program, which was wonderful. And then a year went by, and, um, and I got in a major car accident, a uh, four-car collision, and uh, I broke my leg, I cut open my, my face, and I and my, hurt my arm, and I was all bandaged up, and my car was just crunched. And uh, I came home, and I thought, oh, great, you know, I don't have a job. You know, I've got this, I've just gotten this major accident, car collision, um, you know, I've got this cast on my, my foot, and, um, you know, what am I going to do? You know, and then she, my landlord, comes and says, oh, I can't handle this. Here's a letter from my lawyer, and you have two weeks to get out. And I thought, oh, great. Now I'm homeless. I don't even have a pla- I can't even stay in my car because I don't have a car. You know, I've got this cast on my foot. So I thought, well, I'm just going to call Edith and see what she has to say. And she said, What a blessing. <laughs> And I thought, she's out of her mind. And she thought, in every negative, there's a positive. Well, at the time, I had uh, been a member of a theater company. And so I called the theater company up. And the blessing in that was I was shown a lot of love. Because there were about 30 members in that theater company. And they had had a meeting. And every night, someone brought me a meal. And... um, and I had someone to talk to. And I thought, what a blessing. And, um, and then one of the girls, um, I needed to take a shower. Uh, so um, my new nickname was Plastic Head because we would just tape plastic all over my body so I could take a shower. And I remember being in the shower and I saw this bar of soap. And I thought, how in the world am I going to take like this bar of soap and like try and wash myself with this thing on my head and how am I going to do this? And then I thought, I know, I'll turn this way and I'll be able to try and do that. And then the bar soap slipped. And I thought, oh, no. And then I turned and you know that little liquid soap that has the pump? And I I looked at it and I thought, what a blessing. And it was from then on that I really started to look at all the little things in my life. And, um, and I thought, you know, if I can do this, I can do anything. So the theater company came and I found a new place. And in like an hour and a half, 30 people came over and people from the program and they packed me all up. And, uh, and then they said, well, Amory, you stay there. I was still in the bed and my knees were all swollen I thought okay and have all this bandage on and then Kevin came over with his big pickup truck and um they picked me up and they put me aside and then they put the bed on the truck and then they put me on the back of the truck in the bed and I thought this is great and then a whole caravan took me to my new apartment and set me up and I thought what a blessing and, um, and then after that, um, I, met, uh, I met another gentleman who I actually went to high school with. And I thought I had to come 3,000 miles to meet somebody who's three blocks away who sat like three, you know, seats behind me in high school. And, um, and it ended up that he was a friend of Bill W.'s. And he had been in the program for a while, so he came over to my, you know, apartment. And I remember the first time he came in, I was so nervous, and he was so nervous. And you know, the poor guy. You know, I'm looking out the window, and you know, he, there was a step, and he like comes in, falls over the step, and then you know, I fall down, and then we both hit our heads. And I'm just like, huh, oh, this this ain't going too good. And I thought maybe that's why I'm still single, you know, and um. And I looked at him, I said, you know what, can we start this all over again? He said, sure. So he walks out, and I thought, oh God, I look outside and I see him going. And I thought, you know what, he's just as nervous as I am. And um, so we dated. And, uh, and I went to AA meetings with him in California. And uh, I went to the Clancy meeting, and I met Clancy and, and the women from Westchester and uh, Culver City meeting. And, um, and, you know, I learned a lot from him. And uh, there was a point where it wasn't working out. And, um, and that was okay. And one day I kept saying to him, oh, you look great, you look this, you look that. And he looked at me and he said, you know, Amory, you have to stop doing that. And I said, doing what? He said, Amory, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I am innately selfish. I will always think about myself. I know I'm working a good program when I'm thinking about you, and you will know you're working a good program when you're not thinking about me. And that was really powerful for me. And at one point, you know, he just said, this isn't working for me. I love you, but it's just not working. And he taught me how to let go of somebody with dignity. And, um, and I'm grateful to that. I'm really grateful to that. And he taught me how to date because I didn't know how to do that. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. And al I have really learned how to grow up. You know, I always used to tell Edith, it's not a matter of, you know, I said to her, you know, I, I came into these rooms because of his drinking, but I stayed in these rooms because of my thinking. <laughs> You know, and I, I always laugh and I said, you know, you ever want to see the alcohol you know, you ever want to try and find the Al Anon, um, you know, look at find you know, you'll find the alcoholic because he's always very calm and cool and collective. It's the crazy person next to them going <laughs> and you go, That's an Al Anon you know. And, and and what's really funny is we haven't even had anything to drink <laughs> You know? (laughs) Nothing to drink. And and so one of the things I learned from from Edith is, um, you know, uh, the idea of, you know, being true to yourself, keeping your word. And, um, you know, this gentleman really helped me with words and what to say. Um, One thing I kind of want to backtrack a little bit and just say, you know, when I first got in the program, my brother was clean and sober, and he got married to a woman who was clean and sober, and they had two beautiful boys, clean and sober, and um, he was clean and sober for about, I want to say 13 to 15 years, and everything started to fall apart when he had a drink, and um, he ended up getting a divorce, Um, his finances were terrible, he lost his house, he lost a lot of things, And when he looks back, um, he says, you know what? I got all these beautiful gifts when I was clean and sober. And I said, well, that's because, you know, God gets to work in your life when you're clean and sober because you give it over. And, um, you know, my motto has always been I stay in my circle with my God. And if I have a circle with my God, you do too. You have your circle with your God. And your circle with your God is holy ground. And I don't belong there. And my sponsor always used to say, you know, one day, Emory, you're going to get out of your circle and go into somebody else's circle, and that's going to be the day that God is going to decide to shine a light on you, and you're not going to be there. So mind your business. I always used to say, you know, it's really really funny because, you know, Bernie, my qualifier, um, when he would come home, I would say, before the man even got in the door to come visit me, my mouth was on the doorknob. You know, he'd open the door and I'd be like, Oh,
1: yeah.
0: And he'd just, I would just see him kind of go, Oh, my Lord. You know, and then I'd, and then I'd wonder why he didn't want to talk to me. You well, know, I'd say I can't believe that. But, um, you know, the things that I learned from Edith was to be truthful and to be honest and I remember when I was in the program in the beginning and my brother was in the program there was probably a 10-year period where um, my parents household was a program house my brother and my sister-in-law were clean and sober my other brother was gone to Al-Anon I was going to Al-Anon, my um, you know, significant other at the time was going to AA, and it was a great ten years. And When you talk to my mom, she'll say, to you, she'll say you know what, that was the best ten years of my life. And I said, why is that? She said, because I could sleep, and I didn't have to worry. Is the phone going to ring, are the cops going to call, is there going to be some kind of trouble? Do I have enough money in the bank if he needs money for jail? And she said, that was the first ten years that your father and I actually could sleep peacefully. But what Al-Anon has taught me, and it says in our literature, that it doesn't matter whether the alcoholic is drinking or not. It promises me that if I work the steps, that I can have a life that is serene and peaceful and happy, whether the alcoholic is drinking or not Because that is none of my business That is not my circle And I need to stay out of it But I have a list of do's and don'ts That tell me, you know, don't be self-righteous Don't nag, scold, and complain You know, to take care of myself And the funny thing was is I was doing all the don'ts And I didn't want to do the do's And when I started getting busy and I started focusing on myself, my life got better, you know. And when I went to California, I would have never thought in my wildest dreams, you know, that I would have these accidents, you know, and that they would be blessings. So when things started to happen to me, I started to say, you know, what a blessing. You know, in this negative, where is my positive? And, um, you know, so after the one car accident, I actually was on the bus, the big old blue bus in California. And that bus would come, and I would think to myself, I got two quarters in my hand. What a blessing. I can get on this bus and I can go to work. And I started really looking at that. And then, like, uh, about nine months later, um, I got another car. And I had the car for probably a couple months And I got in another car accident and totaled the car because someone, a young woman, hit me. And I called Edith up and I said, oh, I can't believe this, this happened again. And she said, what a blessing. And I thought, okay, thank you, God. And I started thanking him for these blessings, whether they were negative or whether they were positive. And then after that happened, I got another car. And um, I hadn't finished college and I remember my dad said to me, if you, go back, if you go to California, the one thing you need to do is you need to get your degree. And I said, OK. And, um, and I remember I did go to my father to talk to him about my qualifier. And uh, I remember I said to my, qual- my dad, I said, You know, dad, I really love this man, and I don't know if I'm ready to let him go. And my dad looked at me and he said, You know, Amory, you're my daughter, and you're a first. He said, you will never be a first with this man. He's been married, he has children, you know, and he's not even willing to make himself first. He's not clean and he's not sober. And he says, my daughter is a one. And I just said, thank you. And that's all I needed to hear. And that kind of gave me the permission to go cross country. I have a great relationship. Um, I had a great relationship with my dad because of this program. Because this program taught me the words, you know, one of the things that Edith used to say to me all the time, and she said, you know, look up the words. Like one day I said to her, oh, I'm so angry at him. And she said, no, I don't think you're angry. Go look that word up. And I looked that word up, and I said, you know, I'm not angry. She said, well, what are you? So I started looking through the dictionary (laughs) and trying to write my words down. Finally I said to her, I am infuriated. (laughs) She said, that's a good word. So what I learned is, you know, my word is my rock. And one thing that I was able to do is with my nephews when they were growing up, they were real little, I started talking about program with them. And I told them when we would play, you know, I'd say, oh, they try to be perfect. And i say, you don't have to be perfect. You know, it's about being fun. First things first. Easy does it. I started using the slogans. And I love the slogans. I always say the slogans are the handrail walking up the steps because sometimes you need something to hold on to get you to the next step. Um, So I'm so grateful to that because my nephews, I remember my sponsors said to me, you know, there's going to be a day when your nephews are going to come to you and you better have the right words to say to them. And that's program. And sure enough, when they turned 16 and 17 and 18, they came to their teeth and Tita had, had the right words to say. And I have a really good relationship with them today. And I'm grateful to that because of this program. Um, when, I, when I was in California and all these things started happening to me, and I just kept looking at the blessings, it was like one thing after another after another. And, um, you know, I finished college. And my dad, God rest his soul, he came out. You know, ten years later, I went to college. And my mother and my father flew out and they got to see me graduate. What a blessing. What a blessing. Um, But the day before that, my one brother beat the hell out of my other brother and ended up in the hospital. And so, that was a crisis. Because in our house, if you live in an alcoholic home, there's no such thing as a small crisis or Little event It's always big drama You know, everything is a 10 Everything's a 10 um, So I said to my parents I walked in and I had enough program And I said to them, you know what? We're going to put My two brothers In this box And we're going to put it I had a mantle I, of, of the Blessed Mother And I said, I'm going to take this box And put their names in it and I'm going to give it to her today and today you're going to spend it with me on graduation." And my mother looked at me, and she said, well, why are you going to do that? I said, because you're going to put all your worry and everything in that box, and we're going to go celebrate, and we're going to have a really good time. I said, and then, then, you know, when you come home, I'll give it back to you. She said, okay. And it worked, you know, it worked. And uh, my dad was so excited. It took me probably 17 years to get my degree. And after I got it, I said to him, you know what, I think I would love to go get my master's. And he went, oh, my God. (laughs) He said, that's going to take forever. Um, But that's a blessing. You know, that's a blessing. Um, I also want to talk about sponsorship because um, if it wasn't for Edith, I wouldn't be here today, and if it wasn't for Kay asking me, because my sponsor taught me to say yes, yes to service, yes to going to meetings, yes to doing literature. um, I'm proud to say I um, uh, the GR for my home meeting, which is the World Service, Um, even after 21 years, I still do service, because you have to keep not only your foot but your mind in the meeting. So, service is really important. And um, so, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to her to teach me that. But sponsorship is real important. And um, I sponsored a lot of young ladies. And there was this one woman, her name was Lori. And she used to call me up and she'd say, Amory, I have the crazies. I have the crazies. And I said, Well, you know, you're in that, in that little house in your head, and that house is becoming a mansion because you're just thinking so much. And it's my thinking that got me in here. You know, I didn't need a drink. I just needed to just sit down and go into my little house in my head and whoo, that got real big. Um, but this woman, Lori, she, um, she got cancer and we were able to walk through that journey together. And, um, and I learned about dignity and I learned about grace. And she taught me so many lessons. And that's a a gift. And I think, what a blessing. What a blessing. Um, And one of the things that Edith also taught me in those ladies was, just like uh, Joellen said, you know, they taught me how to be a lady. You know, Um, and being from, you know, was I wasn't much of a lady, you know. I was a woman, but I, I certainly didn't know what it was like to be a lady. And I remember calling her up one day, you know. Bernie came over to the house, and he was late, and I just really, I had something to tell him. And I was so angry, and he didn't have that listen. he just wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. And, you know, and I had this really nice, sexy lingerie on because, you know, he was coming over, and I wanted to impress him. And so I was waiting outside on the porch for him, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. So when he got there, I was on top of his car. Screaming at the top of my lungs, and you didn't
1: do this, and you
0: didn't do that, and I thought I'm gonna really tell him, you know, and he's just sitting in the car, not gonna get out, and um, and I just said, you know, that's it, you can't come in, and I'm done with you, now. and I, you know, and I felt so good, and I went home, and I thought I can't wait to tell Edith, you know, tell Edith that I told him, and you know, gave him my words, and uh, so I called her up, and I told her, and she said, well, Wow, Emory. That was very graceful, wasn't it? (laughs) And I thought, "What what do you mean? And she said, well, I don't think I would define that as being able to walk in a state of grace. And she said, why don't you become the woman that you want to be? Why don't you shake hands with the woman that you want to become? and so I started that journey and sponsoring really helped me with these women and when Lori passed I remember when she was in the hospital she said Amory you have to call my parents and she said they're active alcoholics and I said well and she knew that she was sick and she was dying so I called her parents I said you need to fly out here and they said when I said now they said okay so they came out and they came to the hospital And uh, and they were drunk every time they came to the hospital. And she was getting sicker and sicker, and the doctors came to me, and they said, you know, she doesn't have that long, Amory. And I said, okay. So I said to the parents, I want to take you out to dinner. And they said, okay. So I took them out to dinner, and I said, here's the rule. I said, tomorrow you're not allowed to have a drink. I said, you show up for your daughter. I don't care what you have to do. You show up. You suit up, you show up for your daughter, and you get to say your goodbyes. If you want to have a drink after that, I don't care what you do, but you show up. And they did. And the mother was really shaky, and she said, I need a drink. I said, you go in there and you talk to your daughter. And she did. And the next day, Lori died. And that woman, she needed a drink. And I said, I think you need AA. You don't need a drink. Well, by the grace of God, Lori's father got clean and sober. That was his day, that he got clean and sober. Um, What a blessing. What a blessing. Um, One of the gifts that this program has given me is um, I know who I am. And nobody gets to tell me that except God. And the only way I found that out is because I worked these steps. And I was able to talk to another human being And I was able to share my honesty because what I've learned is these steps require active participation. It doesn't tell me to sit down. The only way that I'm going to be transformed is if I actively participate. If I admit, if I make a list, if I amend, every single step asks me to actively participate in my own recovery. And that's how you get to grow up, and that's how I'm learning how to grow up. These rooms have taught me. I'm so grateful to the women who have walked before me because they have cleared a path for me. When I first got in this program, there were three other young women. And when I got out into California in the last ten years, there's all these wonderful young women but I'm so grateful to the, to the women who have walked before me because they have taught me how to walk with grace and dignity. And they have led a path for me to walk on. And there's a responsibility to that because now when those newcomers come in, you know, the Al-Anon are saying is, let it begin with me. When the hand of Al-Anon reaches out, let your hand be there. Well, I reached out and there was a woman who, who gave me her hand and so when someone reaches out to me I give them my hand so sponsorship is really important and if you don't have a sponsor you better get one you better get one um, so this program taught me a lot and it taught me how to have a relationship I don't have the best relationship with my mother but I have a good relationship with her today because of the women in these programs because I listen to them I listen to their stories about their daughters and how it was good and how it wasn't good And I thought to myself, what can I do to be the best daughter that I can be? You know, I had a great relationship with my father, a wonderful relationship. And because of this program, you know, we were able to have conversations that I never thought I'd have, depths of conversations. And we talk about everything. We talk about sex. We talk about men. We talk about world issues. And I remember I went home one day and I just said, you know, Dad, I don't know if you're going to be around if I ever get married. And he said, you know, Emory, I might not. And he says, and that's okay. He says, because I don't want you to just get married to anybody. You know, the whole idea of giving your hand is that you want to make sure that the man that takes it is worthy of it. But, you know, I'm an Al-Anon, and I, you know, I don't think I'm worthy. I feel I'm unwanted, unloved, and I'm alone. You know, and these, working these steps has allowed me to realize who I am and that I'm a good person and all the good qualities. You know, I get to list all my characters as defects. Well, the opposite of those are who I get to become, you know. And what I've also learned is I don't have a program if I don't give it away. Um, And I had a great relationship with my dad. And so when he had that conversation with me, I thought, what a blessing. You know, what a blessing. So one day I get a phone call from my mom, and she said, you know, Emory, your dad's in the hospital, and you need to come home. And I said, Okay and I packed my bags and I went home and I'll never forget when I went home um, I took a black dress with me because I knew, I just knew and when I got off the plane and I went to the hospital I was got off the elevator and I was walking down the corridor and I saw my whole family there and all I kept thinking as I was walking is I've got 16 years, 17 years of program and it doesn't mean a damn thing This moment, up to this moment, everything has to count. It has to count because 17 years of program, if I don't use it, it doesn't mean anything. And I've got to buckle up. And everything I thought of and all the old timers showing up and suiting up, walking with dignity and walking with grace, I thought, I've got to use my program. And Edith used to tell me, one of the hardest places you're going to use your... If you, you don't use your program at home, that means you don't have a good program because that's going to be one of the hardest places to to use your program and if you can you can use your program at home you got a good program and so you know what I walked down that corridor and I thought what can I do to be the best daughter that I can be to give to my father and I knew that my father was going to pass away and um, and I told everybody what to do because I'm a good Al-Anon and I said, "You do this, and you do this, and you do that, and you do this, and you do this," and everybody did. And my brother came to the hospital drunk, and I just let him be because that's where he was at. And I let him stay in his circle with his God, you know. And I and I honored him, and I let him do what he needed to do. Today, I can say he's clean and sober, and I'm proud of that. Um, he got clean and sober um, again, August 1st. What a blessing! What a blessing! So my father, um, my father was real sick. And um, because of this program, I've learned to listen. I've gone to meetings. I've shared. And I have learned to listen. And, um, and not only listen with my ears, but I've learned to listen with my heart. And everybody was so distraught. And I thought, you know what? We need to have a meeting. And they didn't know what that was. So on a Saturday, on August 2nd, we all got together. And he didn't know what we were doing. And we sat around the hospital bed. And I said, you know what? We're all going to have our last words. We're all going to share. And we went around and we all shared. You know, and told my father how much we loved him. And, you know, he was on all the machines. And I don't know if he heard or if he didn't hear, but it didn't matter. You know, and then we went around again and we shared. And we were able to let him go. And I can say that I was there the day that he died, holding his hand. And I got to see his last breath. What a blessing. What a blessing. The hardest thing was, um, the hardest conversation I ever had was I had to go home that day and I had talked talk to my mom. How do you tell somebody that the love of their life is going to die? And I walked into the living room because I've been taught that I don't do this by myself. And I stay in my circle with my God and I said, God, please... Give me the words. Let me be an instrument of your will to say the things I need to say. And my mom came out, and I said, Mom, you and I, we need to talk. She said, okay. And I looked at her, and I just said, He loved you so. You need to let him go. And we cried. And I have to say, what a blessing. That was one of the hardest conversations that I've ever had in my life. But God gave me the strength, and I thank him for that. And what a blessing, you know, that I was able to, to have that conversation. And I was able to hold my father's hand and see him take his last breath. What a blessing. This program has given me gifts beyond my wildest dreams. I just want to share one, a few more things, and I want to wrap it up. You know, um, if somebody told me that you're gonna go to California, you're gonna have three major car accidents, you're gonna be in a couple earthquakes, um, you're gonna, you know, break up with I don't know how many men and and then what's gonna happen is you're gonna lose your job, you're gonna be unemployed, and then you're gonna ride the bus and then you're gonna have cast, and then you're gonna have another earthquake and then you're gonna have another car accident, and then have that car accident, you're gonna have to be on the bus again and You know what? I would have never gone to California. (laughs) I would have come here to Texas. (laughs) But what a blessing. You know, what a blessing. Um, You know, a year ago, um, due to the economy, uh, I lost my job. And as a result of losing my job, then what happened was uh, I had a rent increase. So once again, I had no place to live. And I didn't have a job, and I went to a meeting, and I said, you know what, I need help. And about 30 members of Al-Anon showed up, and in a month, they packed me up. They packed me up, and we put my stuff in storage. And I remember the day that that happened. I got on my knees, and I said, you know, God, I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that you are with me. And I'm going to stay in my circle with my God. I'm going to ask you to use me as an instrument for your will. And I didn't know where I was going to stay. I didn't know what I was going to do. Next day, my girlfriend called me up and she said, Anne-Marie, would you like to house it for us? And I said, I'd love to. So I went to her house for two months. Then somebody else called me and said, "Amory, we're going on vacation. Can you come to our house for two months? And I said, sure, if I could do that. So I went there. Then somebody else called and said, Well, Emery, you know what? Could you watch my cat for the weekend? I said, Sure, I can. So I've just been bouncing around. And I've been looking for a place of my own, but that's just not God's plan for me. I've been going from house to house to house to house to house. What a blessing. Because each time, I always ask God to use me as an instrument for my, will, for His will, not my will. And every place that I've gone to, I've been able to do a twelfth step I've been able to help people. I remember um, in February I stayed with this gentleman who I did not realize was an alcoholic. He was a friend of mine. And uh, I came home one day and the kitchen was on fire. And, I thought, and he said, you know, Amory, I think we have a problem. And I said, yeah, I think we do too. <laughs> You know, when your place is burning down, you know, the whole kitchen. And I said, well, what happened? He said, oh, I think I had too many, many drinks. And I said, you know, I think you and I, we need to have a talk. He said, okay. So every place I've gone to, um, I feel like I've been an instrument of God's will. And I don't know what God's plan is for me. And for me to be able to just openly take a breath and say, you know what, God? I trust in you. I trust in you lead me where you want to go so my stuff is still in storage i'm grateful i have a job when i go home i have three interviews for a couple jobs and i am just going where god leads me and i trust that i trust that wholeheartedly but i wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for the program you know and i get to do it today with dignity and i get to do it with grace you know, I remember an old-timer used to say, the, ri- the way you get rid of the pink elephant in, in the room is one bite at a time. And I said, well, where are you now? And he said, well, I actually can see the other side of the room. And I said, how's that? He said, I just cut a big old hole in the middle. <laughs> but that's one day at a time. And the other thing is, you know, what comes out of you when you get squeezed, you know? All these things I've gone through, I've gotten squeezed. Am I still kind? Am I still considerate? Am I still lovable? And those are the things I have to ask myself, you know. Um, I will leave you with this. You know, one thing my, my father used to say is, leave people better off than you found them, whether it is by your words or by your presence. And I have to say... Um, being here in texas what a blessing what a blessing and um i have i've in a room full of love and um knowing i'm just filled and um today i can't find the words to express that but um i thank you and um and i'm so grateful to be a part of this wonderful texas family and i thank you for welcoming me so so open-heartedly, um, I am blessed, and I, and I feel the love. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be your service. Thanks you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.